Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist and former Teen Vogue editor-in-chief Elaine Welteroth, writer Amber Scora, and content creator Tiffany Jenkins. These women share their personal journeys, complete with mistakes and hardships, in such an intimate and vulnerable way that listeners will be inspired to examine their own lives and spark conversations with those around them. Plus, find out which author describes the recording process as being a little bit like therapy. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Elaine Welteroth, author of More Than Enough. I wrote my book because I didn't have a lot of role models for my career growing up, and this was a book I would have loved to read and a book that I sort of needed to read as I was coming of age. The book really wrote itself. As I was going through some of these experiences, I could see these scenes on the page, and sometimes I felt like the only reason some of these things were happening to me was because I was supposed to share them and tell someone else and start conversations around some of these themes that are very universal as it relates to success and failure and self-esteem and love. We only see a slice of people's lives on social media, and we never really understand the how or the why behind the what you're seeing. And I just felt like I owed something more honest to the younger generation that has followed my journey through Teen Vogue and beyond. And there's so much more for me to do. There's so much more for me to say. I am only just beginning, but this book felt like the offering that I had to share now. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be grueling. <laughs> because this is a little bit like therapy, sort of. You're bumping up against yourself in ways that are very unique to the confines of this experience. You know, sitting in a room by yourself with a microphone, hearing your voice, telling your most intimate stories ain't an easy thing for eight hours straight. It's sort of, you know what it felt like? It felt like I was delivering a one-woman show for eight hours a day, four days straight. So you can just imagine how that actually felt. There were some moments that you just feel alive and in your groove, in your element, in your flow, and you're just loving it. And then there are other moments where you're like, I hate this. I want to pull out my hair. There's other moments where you're exhausted and you're like, I cannot hear the sound of my voice for one more millisecond. Get me out of here. But in the end, it's so rewarding and it's been so fun and I feel so grateful to be in a position to A, be able to tell my story in book form and B, to be able to actually record my voice at this stage of my life and tell what I've learned to this point because one day I'm going to be old and I'm going to be able to listen to this and share this with my children and grandchildren and I just feel really grateful to be in this studio doing this right now. There were so many words I realized I did not know how to properly pronounce until recording my audiobook. I'm a little ashamed because I fancy myself a writer and I've been an editor for 10 years. But words like, for instance, cum laude. I graduated at the top of my class and I've been saying I graduated cum laude. You know what? 
It's not pronounced that way. It's pronounced cum laude a. Who freaking knew? <laughs> Who freaking knew? I swear I'm smart, but you know, there are a couple other words. Let's see. One name really, really tripped me up. And this is one of my favorite musicians, but I've always kind of gotten through life skating through actually pronouncing her last name properly. But her name is Michelle Endegiocello. Before, I used to say Michelle <laughs> In terms of my narration of my audiobook, I guess I'm most proud of the fact that I was able to get through it without weeping. There were moments, actually, the minute I sat down in this chair to start recording my book, I got so emotional. My eyes filled with tears. My throat choked up and I was like, oh, Lord, this is going to be a long process. But I just took a breath. I excused myself, went to the bathroom, and I just cried it out. I don't know what it was about this experience, what makes it so emotional, but I definitely had to cry it out. And then I came back and I was able to deliver without crying the rest of the time. Thank God. I'm most excited that listeners will get a chance to hear from my parents. My mom and dad came into the studio and recorded their own parts, and I'm just so excited. If I hadn't read my audiobook myself, my dream narrator would be my mom, for sure. I think people are going to come to this book thinking it's really about me, and then they're going to walk away realizing it's really all about my mom. (laughs) She is the hero of this book, certainly one of them, and I think she's going to have legions of fans who are going to want to hear from her after they read this book. So maybe on the next round, I'll have her record my audiobook for me. She's much more entertaining than me anyway. The last great audiobook I listened to was Born a Crime by Trevor Noah and also Promise Me Dad by Joe Biden. I listened to Trevor Noah's audiobook on the plane heading to Johannesburg in South Africa for the very first time. And I really wanted to understand, you know, from a first-person perspective, what it was like to grow up there, to learn a little bit more about the history and the culture. And what I loved about that book, in addition to just loving Trevor Noah, he is hilarious and incredibly smart. You know, you come to the book thinking you're going to learn about Trevor Noah's story. And certainly you do. You get an understanding of his relationship with his mother. But you walk away with a deeper understanding of the recent history in South Africa. And you learn about the sort of different racial identities and the conflicts there. And I just felt like I was able to step off the plane and feel much more connected to the ground beneath my feet and to the roots of country because I read that book. That's the beauty of any memoir, right, is that you understand not just the person, but the cultural context that makes a person who they are. And I certainly got that from Trevor's story. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is on an airplane. I find myself traveling a lot. And, you know, I don't love distracting the person next to me with the light on while I read. And also, I always fall asleep when I try to read a hard copy of any book. But there's something really engaging and sort of something that triggers your imagination in a different way when you're listening to someone's voice tell a story. And so I love to spend my hours in the air listening to audiobooks. I mean, that's literally the only thing that can keep me awake. Otherwise, that's my superpower. I can sleep through any plane anywhere or in airports on layovers. So it's always related to travel somehow. 
Hi, this is Amber Scora. So why I wrote this book, first of all, the preliminary reason was that when I moved to New York City, I didn't know anyone, and I met a lot of people. I was trying to build a new life. And inevitably, when you meet people, they ask where you're from. And so I would say Canada, but I always kind of felt like it seemed a little false because I didn't actually move to New York City from Canada. I had gone on this path through China and had lived away from Canada for many years already. So then I would tell them, but I moved here from China. And of course, they would always ask, what were you doing in China? (laughs) So no matter how many times I felt like I'm not going to get into it this time, I'd always end up having to sort of tell this abridged story of my life. And every single time I told someone the story, no matter how much I tried to just shorten it and compact it into a simple narrative, people always said to me, you have to write a book about this. This is crazy. (laughs) So that was one of the reasons. But then sort of a deeper reason that I came to understand as I wrote the book, it was a strange thing where I had this life of before where I was a Jehovah's Witness and I lived an entire life in a different world, basically. And then later when I left the religion, I started a new life and it was unrecognizable with the old life. The people didn't even overlap and the location didn't overlap. Nothing about my life overlapped the life that had come before. So I always felt like there was kind of like this divide between my past and my present. And that always felt a little uncomfortable. I felt like I was constantly trying to overcome what had happened in the past or sort of hide because I would try to, say, apply for jobs. And I was always trying to sort of like not reveal that I didn't have a degree or all these things that seemed to really matter in this new world, which didn't matter in the world I came from. And so somehow writing the book was a way to kind of stitch together my old life with the life I have now. I miss the people in my old life. I had experiences in the old life and memories that were very meaningful to me that always felt like maybe they just didn't matter anymore. But writing the book was this way of bringing the past back into the present. And I found it really helpful, actually, in the sense that I felt like that divide was closed in some way between the past and the present. And it kind of allowed me to take that past and bring it along with me into my life now. And then also as something that I can carry around with me into the future, rather than it being something that felt like it was lost and forgotten and left behind. Recording the audiobook was very reminiscent of something that took place in the book, which was that I had started a podcast back when podcasting first started. And with no experience, I had stepped into a recording studio and made this show that ended up being that a lot of people listened to it and liked it. And since that time, I basically haven't really been in a studio much. And so walking back into a recording studio felt very familiar and kind of comfortable for me because I actually really like recording things. So yeah, I would say it felt nostalgic or familiar in some way. As far as words or phrases that I didn't know how to pronounce, one thing that kind of happened for me was that because there's a lot of Chinese, and not a lot, but there are Chinese phrases in the book, which I explain what they mean. But when you have a Chinese word embedded in a long English sentence, it becomes a challenge of whether you switch in the middle of the sentence and change into your Chinese persona, you as the speaker of Chinese, or are you an English speaker saying a Chinese word? Because Chinese is so different than English in its approach, tone is pronunciation in Chinese. If you change the intonation of a word, you change the meaning of a word. It feels very jarring compared to English when it's all in the same sentence. So there's ways of 
anglicizing the pronunciation of Chinese words, but I can't help but not want to do that because Chinese words are real words to me. And so if I say them incorrectly, it feels wrong. I used to speak all Chinese or all English when I lived in China. So now somehow trying to mesh the two together was a bit of a challenge. I kind of imagine someone who's just entirely different than me reading the story, and I think that would be really interesting to see how they interpret it, like Oprah Winfrey or Michelle Obama, because I feel like they're both people that have such feeling and a calm way of talking, which is, I think, I don't really have. I'm way more, like, energetic. The thing that I think might be that I'm excited or interested for people to experience through my narration is I try to bring across in my book what it's like to be someone who has lived in a very cut-off world. And some of the parts of the book are quite intimate, and it could kind of feel vulnerable to read. But what I'm hoping is that what came across was that I tried to write those portions or read those portions as I would have felt as a Jehovah's Witness, as a person who was very cut off from society. And so, you know, there's sections of the book where I talk about certain coming-of-age things, like a relationship I had when I was young and experiencing sex through the eyes of someone who is really naive and inexperienced. And they tried to write or read those in a voice that reflected the person I was then, which is kind of hard to do when you're now this person, you know, many years later who has changed and is more experienced and understands more about the world. So I hope that in the reading, the person that I was then comes across effectively. Hi, my name is Tiffany Jenkins, and I wrote High Achiever, The Incredible True Story of One Addict's Double Life. I began writing my book on my blog, actually. I wanted to give people who were on the fence about whether or not jail was right for them (laughs) an inside view into what it's like. I realized that my one article that I planned on writing was going to end up being much more. So I began releasing a chapter a week on my blog, and people were just enthralled with it because of the honesty and the rawness. People were tuning in every week to see what happened next. And I got a few emails from people saying, man, I wish that this was in book form so I could send it to my so-and-so in jail or my so-and-so in rehab to inspire them. And that was when I realized I got to figure out how to put this in book form so they could do that. So I Googled how to write a book. <laughs> Describe what it was like to record your audiobook in one word. One word? Oh, I have so many words. Surreal? Because I never in a million years imagined not only having written a book, but being in a professional studio recording it. It's, it was incredible. Is there a word or phrase that you realized you didn't know how to pronounce? Yes, many. (laughs) Right off the top of my head, patronizing, patronizing, succession, secession. Listen, comfortable, I am saying it correctly. I am saying the way that it is spelled. The rest of the world says comfortable. And so I found myself trying to say it like everybody else, and it felt like I was spitting on the microphone. So... By the end of the book, I just said comfortable, and people just have to take what they get. Just kidding. I love you. Who is your dream narrator, living or dead, if you hadn't read it yourself? I'm not sure. Maybe the queen. We get mistaken for each other all the time, so it only makes sense. I would want somebody who has a similar personality to mine to narrate it, because I think 
there's a lot of inner thoughts going on. I'm taking the reader through the story with me, essentially, while I'm making these choices and while I'm doing all these terrible things. So I would want someone who could really capture that sarcastic inner dialogue that I have, even despite being in dark situations. So maybe somebody like Sandra Bullock or Melissa McCarthy. I'm pretty proud of the fact that I walked in here not realizing the amount of work and acting, if you will, that is required. You virtually have to get into character and do different voices and give that character their own personality. And I was not prepared for that. So not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty impressed with my ability to adapt and make that happen with the help of a wonderful coach in my ear. What are you most excited for listeners to hear? I know that there's a lot of anger and hatred surrounding addicts, and I totally understand because as addicts, we don't make the best choices during our addiction. But I would really like encourage somebody who maybe hasn't personally experienced addiction to consider checking the book out because I tried to write it in a way that takes you through the journey with the addict to give you an inside look into our minds and why we do the things that we do. And the biggest feedback that I've gotten is thank you so much for writing this book because now I understand what my son was thinking or what my son was experiencing and it softened my heart towards him. And I received that over and over and it's not only the biggest compliment, but it's validation that by bearing my soul in this book, it is taking something dark that happened in my life and turning it into something good and meaningful. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com backslash next listen.